You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. How to drop the L. You're like, what is he talking about? Well, just give me a minute. I'm going to tell you, okay? You're going to, we're going to figure out how to drop the L. Amen. Um, it, it struck me as I, as I was studying this week and, and thinking about this message. And again, we're still in this trying, let's say trying to finish up. We're, we're, we're still in the exploration of being kingdom strong. And we're talking about relying on the resources. Amen. Again, you have to refine your kingdom sight, raise your kingdom skill. Um, uh, remember your kingdom <clears throat> struggle, but also rely on your uh, kingdom uh, resources, kingdom supply, excuse me. Um, and, and to that end, we talked about the the armor of God. And then now we're double clicking, if you will, on the word of God as its own separate weapon. The only offensive weapon uh, listed in the in the armor of God. We spent a couple of weeks kind of talking about it, including last week when we were in Hebrews chapter four. And it struck me that we've never really explored, at least from this pulpit, Psalms 119 in any in any form. Psalms 119 is the longest uh, uh, chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. It is uh, organized as an acrostic. So every eight verses, and there are 22 sections of it, uh, every section uh, begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So all of the first eight verses in Psalms 119 begin with the Hebrew word Aleph, letter Aleph, and the second Beth, the third Gimel, the third Daleth, and, and, and so on and so forth. So it gets 176 verses. And scholars differ a little bit, but of those 176 verses, the word of God is mentioned at least 170 times. So it, it literally in every verse, if you look at Psalms 119, there is a a word um, that uh, references God's word. Amen. You may look at it. You may see the word law or word, laws, statutes, commands, decrees, precepts, promise, testimony, judgments, way, depending on the version of the Bible that you have. Scholars say eight to eight to ten different words are used in Psalms 119. And I said about 170 of the 176 verses have some reference to a word that relates to the word of God. Amen. And so, um, the question that really gets asked in, in chapter nine, which I absolutely love, and I can't read this verse, see this verse without thinking of my mentor, uh, brother Dwight Knight, who along with brother Tyrus and, and brother Kevin Claxton really, um, pounded into us this, this scripture, wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By giving heed thereunto unto thy, thy what? Thy word. The NIV says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. 
And it struck me that if you wanted to live according to the world, it would be a pretty easy proposition. That doesn't even really require a sermon. If I wanted to tell you how do you live according to the world, you could preach that sermon and you could preach it pretty easily. I would tell you if you want to live according to the world, it's easy. Just follow your heart. Amen. Just follow your heart. Do whatever is in your heart to do. Because Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Romans 8, 5 through 8 says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It's a pretty easy proposition Matthew 15 18 to 20 when Jesus was dealing with the the Pharisees and then he was talking to his disciples he he said they said explain the parable to us explain to us what you're talking about and he said but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the what heart and these defile them for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what a defile a person. So he was talking, they were having a discussion about eating with, with uh, unwashed hands. He said, that's not what defiles you. It's not what goes into your body and comes out through the draught, as the King James said. He says, but it's, it's what's in your heart that comes out of your mouth. It's what's in your heart that manifests itself in your actions. That's what defiles you. So it'd be a pretty easy proposition. I would say that if you want to live according to the world, you should do it. It'd be easy to preach that sermon. In 1 John chapter 2, the scripture says, love not the world, what? Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, And the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. The lust of the eyes, obscenity, the lust of the flesh, profanity, and the pride of life is vanity. The, the, the lust of the eyes is emotional. The lust of the flesh is physical. The pride of life is spiritual. It's obscenity and profanity and vanity. That's what the world gives you. And if that's what you want to do, it's pretty easy because the world is literally set up. Come on, somebody, for you to live your life that way. In case you didn't know and didn't understand that your flesh is already uh you're already fighting your flesh i mean we always are in this fallen state and when you combine that with a world system that 
the enemy runs, the prince of the power of the air, as it says in Ephesians uh, chapter two. This world is not run by. Uh, it's not a. It's not set up for the for kingdom living. Amen. It's set up for what worldly living, and the world system is designed to deform your view of God. The world system is designed to inform you of its wisdom. The world system is designed to conform you to its standard, so that you might perform for its rewards. Let me say that again. If you're, as Pastor Holder would say, write this down if you're writing things down. Amen. The world system is designed to deform your view of God. Amen. To inform you of its wisdom in terms of evolution and philosophy and all of its cultural thinking. It's, it's designed to conform you to its standards in art and music and fashion in clinical diagnosis, if you will, so that you can perform for its rewards, whether that be power or position or privilege or profit. That's what the world is designed to do. So if you want to live according to the world, it is a fairly easy proposition your flesh yourself will be satisfied when you live according to the world but if you want to live according to the word you better learn how to drop that l amen y'all y'all know where i'm going now there's a there's a difference between wordly living and worldly living you gotta drop that L. When you talk about dropping something, I can't help in my sanctified but culturally influenced mind to think of Jerome from Martin. The very first time he met Gina, they were out at a club. This is Jerome I'm talking about, and she's there with Martin. They're on a date. But Jerome says to her, if you want to get with a winner, then you got to drop that chicken dinner. You got to get rid of your friendzo if you want to ride in the benzo. Come on now. He says you got to drop him. If you want to get with me, you got to drop him. And that's what God is saying to you. If you want to get with me, you better learn how to drop that L because we have to learn how to live according to the word, not according to the world. It's going to be a different proposition. It's going to be a difficult proposition, but, but there's an answer that's right there in Psalms 119 and 8. It says, wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? How can a man walk pure? How can he, come on somebody, determine a path? That will be pleasing to God. Determine a path that will lead him to be pure. Determine a path that will keep him and allow him to be kingdom strong. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. That's the way you do it. That's the way I do it. That's the way we do it if we want to be kingdom strong if we want to be pleasing if we want to be pure but again there's there's something inherent in how he is the psalmist is even saying how can he keep his way pure because it's difficult to do that it's almost like understanding that that we're sheep and sheep part of part of the nature of sheep is their wool is is almost magnetic it attracts dirt if they just traffic where they traffic it's it's difficult to keep them clean because it's not the world that they circulate in. It's not set up for them to be clean. 
They need a shepherd. They need somebody to care for them. They need somebody to clean that wool. They need somebody to help them with the flies and the, and the pests and everything that they're dealing with and going through. You need some help. And so he says, how can you keep yourself pure, child of God? By living according to the word. Learning how to drop that L from the world and live according to the word. You should be trying to determine a path that is pleasing and pure and that will make you kingdom strong. In these next verses, and we'll see it here, there are some elements of living according to the word. And we just want to mind those in the time we have together this morning. You look and they're going to. Excuse me, I'm going to say jump around a little bit. But how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I'm sorry, I got to put this fan on me. Yes, it's, it's hot. Amen. Oh, that feels so much better. I'm sure it felt good for KJ and Annette since they commandeered my fan during the praise and worship time. Dear God. And so selfishly, living according to the world, didn't put it back on their pastor when it was my Lord. Amen. But let's move, let's move on from that worldly practice that they had. We want to be according, live according to the world. And verse 10 says this. If you want to live according to the word, you have to be, you have to have diligence in pursuit. You have to have diligence in pursuit. And the word you see there is seek. You have to seek the Lord. That's, it all starts with the Lord. Amen. Even before we get to, to his word and how you can apply it to your lot, your lives, you have to seek the Lord in relationship because living according to the word without a relationship with the one who is the word, who provided the word, who can interpret the word through the Holy Spirit. If you have no relationship with God, then living according to the word is not going to be as beneficial as it should be because it should end up in a place where you have a relationship with the creator and sustainer of all life and you have that relationship for eternity so he says seek me like the psalmist says in psalms 25 he says show me your ways teach me your path guide me in your truth and teach me for you are good uh uh uh, and my hope is in you all the day long that's actually the second point i'm sorry i read the wrong verse it's jeremiah 29 and 13 when it says you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart, you will seek me and find me when you do what? You search for me with all of your heart. And Acts chapter 17, Paul was in Athens and he says, he says that in verse 26, from one man, he made every nation on earth that we should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. 
God is not playing hide and seek with you. God is playing seek and find. Amen. He's not playing. He's not hiding from us. He says, seek for me and you'll find me when you search for me. Come on, somebody with all of your heart. And so he says, I want you to be uh, you have to have diligence in your pursuit. That's how you will live according to the word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Again, that has to show some diligence. There's some determination that's there. I got to be diligent. Do not let me stray from your commands. I got a goal. I have a true north that's out there. I don't want to stray. But if you don't know where you're going, when you determine the path, I guarantee you, you'll get where you're going if you don't know where you're going. Amen. You'll look up and you will be there. But if you want to live according to the word, he says, do not let me stray from your commands. Diligence in pursuit. The second thing is there. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Not just the diligence in pursuit. Verse 11 shows us a desire for progress. A desire for progress because the diligence says, oh, Lord, please let me seek you. Oh, Lord, please let me keep your word. But this this verse says, oh, Lord, let me learn your word. Let me let me learn your word. Do, do you have a hunger for the things of God? That's what the psalmist says in Psalms 25, the verse I read too early before. Show me your ways. Teach me. Your paths guide me in your truth and teach me. You are my God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Psalms 143 and 10 says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Psalms 27 and 11 says, teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. You have to have a hunger, beloved, for the things of God. And you will not have a hunger for the things of God if you keep spoiling your appetite, snacking on what the world is giving you. Amen. Everybody in here has heard their parents say, and if you have a parent, you have said this. Don't spoil your appetite. I'm making dinner. It'll be ready in about. An hour. Get out of the snack cabinet. Get out of the refrigerator. I've got something prepared for you. I've got something I want to serve you that I've been thinking about that I have prepared for you. I don't want you to ruin your appetite by going in and eating a bunch of chips or cookies or whatever you want to get. I don't want you to come home. And can you imagine if you made a big meal and everybody comes home in, in, in the house with these Chick-fil-A bags? It's like, oh, my gosh, we just, well, now your appetite is ruined because now you don't want what I've, I've made. That's how God is looking at us many times. He says, you're out in the world and you're constantly snacking. 
You're constantly feeding. You're constantly eating on what the world offers. And so when I come with my sumptuous meal, my spiritual meal, what I want to serve you, you don't have an appetite for the things of God. You don't have a hunger for the things of God. But you better get a desire to progress in God. Otherwise, you will not be able to cleanse your way. You will not be able to determine a path that allows you to progress. You will not be able to determine a path that will make you pleasing and pure and kingdom strong. I need you to stop. Stop snacking and say, teach me your ways and lead me in the paths of what? Righteousness. That's verse 12. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. And then interspersed throughout. It's not just the diligence in pursuit. It's not just the desire for progress that we see in verse 12. It's the discipline with priorities. Discipline with Priorities. You see it in verse 11, in verse 13, in verse 15, and verse 16. There, there are really five things that he, he, he says you have to, you have to have some discipline around these things. And if you could do these things, you're going to live according to the word and not according to the world. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Verse 11. So you better learn how to hide the word. Amen. In Matthew chapter 13 and, and, and 23, when Jesus is telling the, the, the parable of the, 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 uh, the sower, he says in verse 23, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Some thirty, some sixty, some hundredfold. He says not only do they hear the word, They hide the word. You have to hear it, but you have to hide it. And and, and in that text, you don't just hear it and hide it. You better heed it. Amen. You got to hide the word. That word have I hid in my heart. Do you know why you need to hide the word of God in your heart? Because we already talked about worldly living comes from what comes out of your heart. And so you need to get a heart transplant. Amen. You need to get some new things in your heart and push out some of the other things that are already there. That murder and envy and deceit and all of those things that, that come in the heart. They won't have room to be in your heart when you start putting the word of God in your heart. That's how you keep your way pure. Why? Because you hide, you make a priority that I'm going to hide the word in my heart. So so that when you get a challenge in your life and you get a situation in your life, amen, you can lean on the word of God that's not just in your Bible, not just in your phone, but it's in your heart. I'm talking about a close encounter of the fourth kind. Amen? Hide the word in your heart. But not just... Hide it. Verse 13 says, with my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. Don't just hide the word. Come on, somebody speak the word. Speak it so much that Deuteronomy 6 
and six through eight would tell you these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down, come on somebody, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. So he says, he says, when you're in the house, talk about the word of God. When you're out of the house, talk about the word of God. When you get up, talk about the word of God. And when you lie down, talk about the, there's only two occasions that you should be talking about the word of God. That's day and night. Amen. Say, I only think of you on two occasions. That's, that's day and night. That's in the house and out of the house. That's when I lie down and when I get up. He says, you have to be talking about the word of God. But you can't talk about the word of God if you don't know the word of God. He says, in the house and out of the house, unless you bring all of your resources with you, you might not be able to talk about it outside of the house. Wait a minute. Let me go get my commentary. Let me go get my Bible. Oh, I forgot it. You you didn't have it. I don't have it in my backpack. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't be talking about the word. Because if you hide the word in your heart, it's always with you. So hide the word. Speak the word. And then in verse 15, it says this. I meditate on your precepts. And consider your ways. He says, meditate on the word. Joshua 1 and 8 says, keep this book of law always on your lips. Again, speak the word. Meditate on it only on two occasions. Meditate on it when? Day? Come on, somebody, at night. He said, I'm not asking much, Joshua. Joshua says, I'm not, don't, don't worry about it. This God spoke to him. He said, I just keep it on your lips, meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Then you will be able to cleanse your way. If you've determined a path that leads to being pleasing and pure and 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 strong in terms of kingdom living. Amen. You'll be able to do that if you meditate on the word. You think about it. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law doth he meditate only two times day and night. So meditate on it. And then he says in verse 15 as well, the psalmist does consider it. I consider your ways. What does that mean? Consider. I consider your ways. We talked about this very early on in being kingdom strong, that in your decision making, you you take into account what God would have you to do. We talked about the challenge of an everyday situation, what the enemy would want you to do and what God would want you to do. Almost like there is a, a fork in the road and the enemy wants you to react to a situation in a certain way and then God wants you to react to the situation in a different way. We spent a lot of time talking about those king, having a kingdom perspective, amen, where we say, no, we're going to do it the way God wants us to do it. The only way you and I can do that is if we consider his ways. That consideration has to make it into your everyday decision making. And then in verse 16, he says this, I delight in your decrees. I will not 
neglect your word. I'm going to hide the word. I'm going to speak the word. I'm going to meditate on the word. I'm going to consider the word. I'm going to remember the word. And how are you going to remember the word? Second Timothy 2.15. Study. To show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing. The word of truth. I'm going to remember the word. And so. (laughs) Diligence and pursuit. A desire for progress. Discipline with priorities. And this last one, you have to have discernment of promise. Discernment of the promise. You have to understand the value of what you're talking about. That's why in verse 14, it says, I rejoice in following your, uh, your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. He says, I delight in your decrees. And so he says, in terms of discernment, we gotta, we gotta rejoice in the word and we have to delight in the word. But, but I need to double click here and just give you a bonus track just to, just to help you uh, and me to be reminded about why there, it just says rejoice in it. He said, it says delight in it, but, but it, it, he here does not tell you why not in these, not in these eight verses, but there are some verses. There there are five verses in Psalms chapter 19 where he does tell us the psalmist David tells us exactly why the word of God should be delighted in. That the word of God should be rejoiced over. Amen. Because it shows us very clearly the reasons why it's important and what it does. And so let's just flip over to Psalms chapter 19 verses 7 through 11 and and get our bonus track on. Amen. The first bonus track of the year appears in week one. Amen. I've given you the outline. I've told you what happens in Psalms 119 and 9 through 16. I've talked about the discipline with priorities and the discernment of promise. I've told you about a diligence in pursuit and a desire for progress because you're trying to determine a path, a path that leads you pure, that leads, uh, that leaves you in, in a place where you're pleasing and it leaves you in a place where you're strong. But I want to tell you a little bit more according to Psalms chapter 19. What God is talking about. And I'll do it. As quickly as I can. The law. Of the Lord. I'm in verse 7. Of Psalms 19. The law of the Lord. Is perfect. And then it tells you. Why. What is it good for. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord. Again, you'll see this, the psalmist David uses six different words for the word of God here. Four of them, I believe, overlap with Psalms 119, but you'll see it again. The what? I'm in the King James. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Amen. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, 
rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, more than fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is a servant warned, and in keeping of them, there is great reward. Let me, let me very quickly tell you what David is saying to you and to me. He's saying in verse 7 that the word of God is inerrant. Amen. Therefore, it produces revival for your soul. He says that the word of God is, is, is perfect. It's, it's, it literally is inerrant. There, there's no error. It, it literally, that's what pure is inerrant. The word of God is inerrant. And because it is inerrant, because there are no mistakes, because it's completely pure, it provides revival for your soul. That's why you can rejoice because it's inerrant and it produces revival for your soul. You're not convinced. I'll tell you then. He says that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So now not only is it inerrant, beloved, it's infallible. It's infallible because it produces recognition for your mind. It makes wise the simple. It produces recognition for your mind. The things that you didn't see before, you can see now. The things that made you simple can now make you wise because the word of God is what? It's infallible. Therefore, it can provide recognition for your mind. It can turn you from simple to wise. The statutes of the Lord, verse 8, are right. Amen? Rejoicing the heart. They're incorruptible. The word of God is incorruptible. Therefore, it can produce rejoicing for your heart. And the commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The word of God, not only is it inerrant, it's infallible, it's incorruptible. Baby, it's insightful. Producing revelation for your eyes. If you thought you could see, you can't until you see things from God's perspective through his word. That's how you see. That's how you really get revelation for your eyes. Amen. And God wants to reveal. And again, truth is never found or discovered. Truth is revealed. And God, when God reveals truth, he wants you to receive it and not reject it. Amen. And so, again, it provides enlightenment for the eyes. And then. It looks to me like David in, in, in verses 9 and 10 takes what I call a praise break. Amen. He just says, shoot, the word of God is incredible. It's incredible. The word of God is incredible. How do you know it's incredible? Shoot. He says the fear of the Lord. That's a that's a synonym for the uh, the law. Again, it's clean, enduring forever. 
So it's clean and it's and it's lasting. Amen. He said the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So not only is it clean and lasting, it's true and righteous. Then in verse 10, it says more to be desired. They are, are they than gold and much fine gold sweeter than the honey on a honeycomb. So the word of God is clean and it's lasting. It's true. It's righteous. It's satisfying and it's sweet. That's that's what I call a praise break. He just says, listen, let me just break this down for a second and just let you know how incredible the word of God is. It's clean and it's lasting. It's true and it's righteous, righteous, it's sweet and it's satisfying. And then he concludes by saying in verse 11, moreover, by them is thy servant warned and in keeping of them, there is great reward. The word of God is instructional, providing reward for your life. David, David breaks that thing down and says, why, why should you be paying attention? How can you take a praise break and be excited? Because the word of God is inerrant and it's infallible and it's incorruptible and it's insightful and it's instructional. Shoot, my God, it's incredible. It produces revival for your soul, recognition for your mind, rejoicing for your heart, revelation for your eyes, and reward for your life. You better get on board with this word of God. And so when you flip back to Psalms 119 and you see it and he says, listen, I rejoice in following your statutes. I, I literally, I rejoice. Why? As one rejoices in great riches. I know that there's some riches. It's clean and it's lasting. It's true and it's righteous. It's satisfying and it's sweet. And I know so because of what it provides for my life, what it provides for my soul, what it provides for my eyes, what it provides for my mind, what it provides for my life. I will rejoice in, in, in following your statutes and I will delight in your decrees. That word delight. I'm so excited about the word of God and what it can do. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? Do you want to be kingdom? Do you want to stay on point? Do you want to stay on task? Here's the way to do it. We have to give our lives and live our lives in such a way that we live according to the word. The word has everything that we need to be able to yield a life that is pleasing, that is pure, that will allow us to be kingdom strong. It is too easy to live according to the world. That's not a challenge for me and you. And we're believers. If you want to live according to the world, just let go of your discipline. Let go of your diligence. Amen. Let, let go of your discernment. Let, let, let go of your desire. And I, trust me, you'll be living according to the world just like that. You'll tap into all of your flesh. Satan will be cheerleading you from the sidelines, from the front lines, wherever you go. He will be cheerleading you. Do your thing. Do you. I got it all for you. If you want to live according to the world, it's all set up for you. It'll, I'll, I'll help you deform your view of God and I will, I will help you inform you of our, our ways. I'll conform you to my standards and then I'll help you perform for my rewards. And if you can do all of that, I got you. You're living according to the world. But if you want to get with a winner, you got to drop that chicken dinner. You got to get rid of your friend zone. 
if you want to ride in the benzo. You got to drop that L. No more worldly living in 2021. We're going to live according to the word.